Hey students, welcome to episode 31 of the Film Student Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Lazzaroni. This week, my guests are Frank Spiro and Mike Schiff from the Green Cohort. The two of them are working on a new web series called Diagnosis Boring, which is currently seeking funding on Indiegogo. We talk about the show and its origins, as well as about Frank and Mike's experience at the Harold Ramis Film School and what they've been up to since graduation. One quick note, the first voice you're going to hear on this episode is Frank's. On with the show. Uh, it's about a girl, Jess, who's diagnosed as being fatally boring. Uh, kind of takes place in this surreal, absurdist world. This is, world. of course, based on real life. Based on real life, 100%. Uh, it, it actually kind of is in that, like, it's a surreal world, and it's it's really meant to be a metaphor for depression. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've talked about this on some videos on our Indiegogo page and things like that. But when I was diagnosed as depressive, I was super uh, surprised by it because I thought that depression was like being sad. Yeah. But it's I just felt super bored and boring all the time. Yeah. So uh, I was pretty pretty surprised. Hmm. Okay. But is that is that the character experiencing the same thing and they're they're interp- in, interpreting it to be boring or is that a case of like you've you've now just kind of taken this what if boredom were actually something you could be diagnosed with? Yeah, it's okay. it's exactly like that. Okay. Uh, it's like kind of like takes a sane character in an insane world approach. Mm-hmm. Where uh, Jess is the same character, uh, and the rest of the world is just so goddamn interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and you two are co-writing it? Uh, no, I wrote it. Uh, sent it over to Mike, who uh, is producing it. Yeah, I, I like the idea. I think you know, mental illness is an interesting topic mm-hmm. and not talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think I think now it's become a kind of like a hot topic almost yeah. <laughs> recently, um, but. Not to the point where I think it's like over talked about. I think the more people talk about it, the more we we get it out there. Like just you know, this summer, like many NBA players are coming out talking about it, and that's mm-hmm. like a great thing for like athletes now, like to talk about it. Like so, I think just getting it more out there and like kind of losing the stigma around it, mm-hmm. and not to the point where like it's becoming like a, a trend or a fad. Like yeah, because like, you could see people like thinking like ooh depression or mental illness is cool like yeah. that's not that's not <laughs> what we're trying to to get across here get your depression on yeah <laughs> like I, I, I think what what we're trying to do is yeah say like you know people that are dealing with these issues like they feel like you know they're normal and the world is is crazy sometimes and and everyone kind of has a different like flavor of it mm. and and this is one particular kind of way way of um expressing that so i like the idea um I was, like we mentioned up top, we were in the same cohort at Harold Ramis, so we knew each other um, for the last year, and so knew we kind of got along in terms of, like, working together and also just more socially. Mm -hmm. Um, We worked on a couple other projects together throughout our time, so I think it just kind of, both the idea and the person was what attracted me to to this project. (laughs) Yeah, Mike and I ran the Green (laughs) Cohort. Uh, We just, uh, yeah, ask anyone. We'll fight anyone about it. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So how did, I'm curious for both of you, since haven't had you on the show before, how did you both end up uh, going through the program here? Ooh, uh, I was in New Orleans Mm -hmm. 
And I had uh, graduated from Tulane University, and I was just kind of hanging around New Orleans for a while. Um, and I was doing comedy down there. Mm -hmm. Like stand-up, improv? Sketch comedy. And sketch? I had started okay. doing uh, improv comedy. I did a sketch comedy in college, and I also ran a uh, satirical newspaper in college. Okay. So I was pretty sure I wanted to do comedy. Yeah. And I had also done some film stuff. I... Uh, uh, had done like a semester uh, abroad of film school in the Czech Republic, and it was awesome. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I actually heard about the Harold Ramis Film School on a, on a podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, that seems, I think a lot of people did. Either they actually, the most common one I heard was not I heard about it on a podcast, but a friend heard about it on a podcast and then told me because they were like, hey, you're the right person that should go do that. <laughs> <laughs> Which podcast was it? Spontaneous Nation. Yeah, they had it. Um, there were a couple of big ones. I think Douglas Movies even had it at one point in time. Huh. Like, they mostly went after like improv and stand-up comedy uh, related podcasts. I think there were a bunch that they used. Um, I seem to recall filling out some survey like right after I got here that was like, "How did you hear about us?" Like <laughs> trying to figure <laughs> out which of those actually was a good channel for them, and I don't think any of them are like consistent it's, no. it's just kind of everybody's got their own stuff that they hmm. hear it from yeah I, I feel like i heard about it although i can't go back and find this tweet but i swear i saw a tweet from judd apatow that said like check out this comedy school that i'm like involved with interesting and i clicked on it thinking oh that that sounds interesting like at second city in chicago and that took me here i guess but mm -hmm. I went back to like try to find this tweet <laughs> from him and I couldn't find it. So I don't know if like it was someone else or, or I made it up in my head and found it a different way, but he yeah. took it down because somebody like harassed him or something. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe it wasn't like, yeah, maybe it wasn't. Somebody uh, from original orange just wouldn't leave him alone. Right. Yeah. Or maybe like he realized he didn't want to be involved with the school anymore <laughs> and he took it down himself. I don't, I don't know. I think he's still kind of involved, but, um, but yeah, so I found out specifically through the school that way. But before that I was living in, San Francisco, I kind of was working in the whole like tech world, mm -hmm. um, but I had known for a while I didn't want to do that long term. Um, I got out of college. I went to UC Santa Barbara, took a job in tech because that was kind of the best opportunities at right. the time, um, but always had this like passion for film and television. So I quit my job and I found the only film job I could find in San Francisco, which was working for dog TV. Um, plug dog TV right now. Dog, <laughs> TV. <laughs> Do dog TV is a 24 seven channel for dogs. Like literally the audience for is, do is dogs. Interesting. Um, they, uh, yeah, they provide like a, a content. So when you, if you leave your house to go to work or, or even just if you're doing chores around the house, you can put this on. I feel like you just replay Wimbledon all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like, so I mean like uh, people do, you know, before dog TV or even right now, people do put, you know, TV on or the radio or things yeah. to keep their dog kind of. You well, know, they have that box now that you can get too the the like the pet entertainment box that allows you. So it's this little thing you put on the floor, and it's got cameras and little sensors and stuff like that, and you can actually like dial into it when you're traveling and like remote interact with your pet and even like toss treats to it yes. and stuff like that. Yes. Like, it's yeah, crazy. it's insane. I, I'm I'm like, who is buying this? <laughs> yeah. Somebody that is way too into their into their dog or cat. Yeah, I had a, a I think a friend that got that had that and it was the weirdest thing talking to the dog on his phone. And and I think actually even dog T V tried to do like did some partnership with them yeah. where they were like trying to they you know, promoted them and were even trying to like 
get dog TV on that screen. On the box, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I was I did that, um, but it was I knew it wasn't gonna last forever. Like there's only so far you could go with <laughs> making content for dogs. Yeah. I like to say like I literally started at the bottom of getting into like this industry because <laughs> I was making <laughs> I was making shit. Sh- uh, can I swear on this? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> I was making stuff for. Um, <laughs> just not swear. I was making shit like, oh, can I swear? Sorry, I was making stuff for. <laughs> I was making stuff for animals, yeah. like not even humans yet. Um, but then, yeah, I guess I saw that tweet, the now deleted tweet from Judd Apatow. Yeah, and I uh, was like, I'm gonna now actually go to film school to kind of force myself to actually meet people that yeah. were in the industry. And and so, y- and it was you and your girlfriend that moved out here. Yeah, yeah, we moved here together, and. Um, yeah, we picked Chicago partly because it's cool, but har- but partly just because we were kind of over San Francisco and mm-hmm. wanted a new um, new experience, yeah. try a new place. Which this is this is definitely different than San Francisco. Yeah, Chicago. the Midwest is its own beast. Yeah, there, there's not there's not much of like a comedy scene in San Francisco. Like, I mean, back in the day, that was like the stand up like mm-hmm. hub, but um, because of the tech industry, it's just kind of taken over a lot of the like culture and the art and so it's forced a lot of people out like yeah. now oakland's kind of having a little resurgence with the film like you know sorry to bother you came out mm-hmm. um blind spotting came out um just in time for the raiders to leave again right yeah <laughs> well th- and that's what's crazy is like all these sports teams are leaving oakland but like people are really pouring into oakland because yeah. of san francisco and how expensive it is yeah so, um, well and, and just california in general is just i feel like that's some something's got to give at some point in time with it uh, yeah, the, the whole proposition they were going to split the state up into three smaller states. I was like, that's actually kind of interesting. It might make sense, but didn't. I think it died pretty yeah. quickly. <laughs> Seems like there's an opportunity there, and maybe we should create our own sport <laughs> and base it in Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, the funny thing is, like, I think all these teams are going to leave Oakland, and then like a few years from now. They're gonna put like expansion teams in Oakland. Yeah. I don't want to turn this into a spo- sports podcast sure. by no, any means, but um, but I kind of think they don't want the Raiders to be there because with the Raiders there comes this like whole Raider Nation thing, yeah. and I could see them being like in a few years being like, oh, now we'll have this new Oakland team, and but yeah, it's it's yeah it's interesting. That is before we start our sock ball. Yeah, league league sock ball Oakland. league. Yeah, sock ball. Yeah. What is sock ball? Oh, and see, and now you've taken the pitch, and you're you're <laughs> in, and uh, and uh, you're willing to listen to anything. Is, are there say. pitches in sock ball? <laughs> there, there are both pitches in softball, and there are signing to deals in softball. Okay. I've changed it to Wait, softball, softball, I yeah. guess, which I think may already be a sport. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of yeah, drunken middle-aged men that play that softball. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Collegiate women. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Collegiate women. Yeah. Right. There's, there's a kind of a, a divide there. Yeah. Between the, there's yeah. no professional. Well, there, may, there may be a professional league. Not that I'm aware of, though. And one person in the middle of that Venn diagram. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who transitioned midlife? That's yeah. right. <laughs> Maybe a coach. <laughs> So, um, so what are you two trying to do now moving forward with this? Now that you've gone through the program, you've kind of seen, you know, (laughs) all the same stuff that I'm going through at at the moment, uh, of having to create a feature and or pilot. And then obviously you got through uh, at least a full web series. Was that something you wrote during the program? That's something that's come afterwards. Um, I guess I started it during the program. Okay. Uh, but it wasn't anything I wrote for the program. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you know, the program's super interesting because you do so much work so mm-hmm. quickly, and then you just kind of have to figure out what to pursue, and 
what you want to put a bunch of time into afterwards. Yeah. We were talking about that on, uh, on another episode. Somebody was saying that, I guess, Angie Gaffney in one of one of their classes had said, you know, this is unsustainable to do longer than a year. Like this, the, this amount of output, this amount of work in this time frame is insane. <laughs> yeah. So I guess Mike and I were like, let's pick something that's way, way more work <laughs> <laughs> and do it as soon as we graduate. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, the, the web series has been a good way of kind of like jumping back into that like extreme amount of work mm-hmm. in a short amount of time because we're trying to basically make this thing by the end of September. Well, produce it by the end of September and post will happen mm-hmm. months after. Um, but yeah, I, w- I mean, it was weird at first because like we didn't know what we were going to do. Um, and it took a little like we knew we kind of wanted to do this, but it, w- it took a little time for us to be like, all right, let's go. Mm-hmm. Because I think the the thing that the program provides, which like the film and kind of art industry art business overall like you don't get is like structure because like mm-hmm. no one's telling you to do this like no one really needs another like artist in some respect yeah. like no one's like demanding like our web series to be made except for us in right. a way um so it's kind of i at least believe this like it more becomes on the artist to, to make it and you put your stuff out there whereas mm-hmm. like if you have a, jo- a nine to five job like you have managers and a whole a deadline. hierarchy of systems yeah. and yeah. the the school kind of provided that like top down mm-hmm. like here's some deadlines and and all that um which yeah, then that, that was tough because we we did a web se- not a web series we did a, a youtube channel uh when when i was living in dc and it's just it's really hard if you don't have like we just started putting firm deadlines on things even though they had they were completely arbitrary. Like there was no like we had, something has to go up here until we got to the point where we're like, all right, we want to try and do something every month or every two weeks or something like that, and then had to start setting that up. In which case, then it started to fall apart because mm-hmm. <laughs> it got d- too difficult for some people to put together. Because shit happens. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough to keep something going. Like that, this, this podcast. There's been a couple times I've had to record something the night before it would go up just because schedule like just got crazy busy with classwork and you know luckily i've stayed on it but mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's tough you need you need some sort of uh either internal drive that you can control what you're pushing out or um or some some sort of overhead force that's like driving you to finish stuff on time yeah so is this is this what's the intent for it is it to just be able to showcase what you guys can do and try and parlay that into something else is it a case of trying to sell this or yeah what do, what do you want to do with it yeah that's a great question that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> something that we've talked about um i for me and writing it and directing it i really just it's just something that i want to make um it's something that i think is you know talking about harold ramis and, mm-hmm. the, and the film school process you kind of learn a lot while you're in the program and you learn how to do things and you learn how to write and, mm-hmm. and all of that. But what you really, for me, what I learned the most in this process and through the year-long thing is really pinpointing my own voice. Yeah. And it's not just figuring out how to do stuff, it's figuring out what you want to do. Right. And why you do these things. And how you, you yourself do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that excites me the most about this web series to me and why I want to do it is it feels like something that is a little slice of me mm-hmm. and uh, can I, I it's surrealist, it's absurdist, and I, I just think it's going to be fun to make. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think what I like about it too is like it is just 
hopefully going to be entertaining as it is, like as the web series, mm-hmm. and not necessarily like, oh, th- you could take this and turn this into a really good like thirty minute TV show, mm-hmm. or this really like could get me into jobs. Like mm-hmm. I think, I mean that your mileage may vary, but that w- could work for some people, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but. Um, I think if you try to really focus on like just making a great thing that's entertaining, yeah, um, that's the best way to go about it, yeah. and that's why I'm I think we're making this like it's yeah. for people to watch it as it is, not think about what could this be like if more money was poured into it mm-hmm. or or if someone picked it up or any of that, um, but just as it is, it hopefully will be entertaining for people. Mm-hmm. So I think that's yeah. our, our my ultimate goal with it. Definitely. I think it's like 20% that and 80% that cold, hard cash, baby. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, <laughs> there's so much money in web series. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> what they told me when I came to this school. <laughs> well, we just had uh, um, Andy Shapiro from uh, Indian Paintbrush uh, come through, and he was talking about the – it seems like one of the big channels for digital is – like different distribution channels, like um, Instagram TV, as one that he's like, I'm very interested to see what people do with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, which is interesting because it also doesn't do landscape playback; it's only in in vertical mode. Sure. So, I'm, so he was like, Yeah, I'm interested to see the first series that's really going to do um, instead of like there's there's other stuff on there that's reality based, but there's really not anything that's been formatted for that display that is fiction. Yeah. And he's like, I'm interested to see who's who's the first one to kind of come out of the gate and go that path with it. Um, web series in general, I find to be kind of interesting because uh, I think a lot of web series are kind of like they take this one concept and it's that every episode. It's like this guy goes on a date every episode at this one restaurant mm-hmm. and it's that kind of thing. Um, and I think those are great. I just don't think that's exactly what Diagnosis Boring is going to be. Yeah. And I see Diagnosis Boring as its own kind of uh, a narrative story. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a full season arc. Yeah, full season arc. Each episode has an arc. Uh, I mean, it's come with its own <laughs> set of difficulties in that, like, you know, we're trying to put together a production, and so far we have, like, 12 or 13 locations in eight <laughs> days. <laughs> <laughs> Are you just shooting consecutive days, or essentially? Yeah, yeah. wow. Four, four days, day off, four days. Wow, it's gonna yeah. be intense. It's gonna be intense. We went for just the yeah binge like style, and we want people to binge watch it. So how mm-hmm. else could we make it? Yeah, we <laughs> want <laughs> maybe the frantic binge worthiness of it will come through of us making it will come through for the audience and force <laughs> them to do it. Do you have uh, your cast lined up for it yet, or? We got a good chunk of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the f- the main actress, uh, Anna Silva, uh, we brought on super early. I knew mm-hmm. she was who I wanted uh, for the role of Jess, the main character in it. Mm-hmm. And we've just kind of been slowly filling out the cast from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I take it people that you worked with through this program. Yeah, a little bit. We did have a like a casting call last week where we met some more people. Um, there's the good thing about it is like there's a core group of cast but like there's a lot of like kind of day player type um because it's more narrative or like happens over different locations so we're we're gonna then fill those kind of roles out you know once we get a little closer with a lot of you know more improv people in from the city but we did Mm -hmm. fill out most of our like main cast um this past week Mm -hmm. so yeah we're we're getting there yeah piece by piece like each day is like you kind of accomplish one thing and you feel like bad about 
another thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, hopefully, the, hopefully the good you guilt yourself into, into taking the steps necessary to get it ready to roll. Yeah, like, and hopefully by the, by the time it starts production, like the all the good things are there, and the few bad things you've kind of found workarounds or yeah. or other things on how to how to deal with. Um, but yeah, it's a process, and um, and yeah, we're we're gonna get it out. Yeah. One way or another. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's pre-production, though. Pre-production is just like, uh, to me, mm-hmm. I don't like pre-production. I think it's just horrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just you're you're doing as much as you can. There's absolutely no payoff to any of the things you're doing immediately. Mm-hmm. And you're just you're just trying to figure it out as much as you possibly can so it can pay off during production and post-production. Right. Uh, so there's never enough yeah. for pre-pro. Yeah, we just did one... Um, for my term two, where we had to shoot basically every, everything like eleven. It was nine shots originally. It wound up being eleven when we got on on set, but uh, in forty five minutes, <laughs> and because we were trying to do it with the sunset, um, and we were trying to shoot a sunrise scene, so everything was in reverse order of of what it was going to end up like edited together, uh, uh, so that it would look like it was Crazy. it was sunrise. Yeah. Um, and so we were at the, in kind of the middle of nowhere and uh, next to a field and shooting with like a bed and a car and like all just it's it's a, a dream sequence piece so it's kind of surreal sure um but it it's it was interesting because we showed up basically two hours before um like the we would start shooting just to rehearse and get everything set up figure out where the camera is going to be what lenses were mounted uh where the actors need to be what props need to be in place what do we need to have plugged in for power where are the lights going like just all that all those details we had to figure out ahead of time just so that you know so it was like a, it was like a pre-production process on set yeah uh and then when we, then we got through and, and rolled through all of it and nailed everything down in the 45 minutes but it was so nice to be able to have that time to prep and get it right oh totally because it, it made it made it work mm-hmm. so much better like i can't imagine trying to just do that on the fly and explain yeah. to people because there were two special effects that needed to happen in it too where yeah. things had to be in the right spot and like camera stays on and locked and yeah it was yeah just the the sun is is one of the best actors but also the biggest asshole because <laughs> you, you know the sun is actually going to nail it every time uh-huh. but uh-huh. she's only going to do it once yeah yeah and she's got that alcohol problem <laughs> yeah, yeah. She'll, she'll, <laughs> Wait, she'll come uh, back tomorrow and do like it again. Like all great actors and actresses. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, she she dips down for the night and goes out and drinks. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and then wakes up the next day and does it again. And wakes up on on the completely other side of the bed. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I saw I saw images from from that short you were making, and it yeah. looked it looked really nice. I, I'm excited to see what it looks like because I I mean looked cool I d- but i had no idea what what it was yeah i'm excited to see how it turns out too we still have to do one more day of filming because we wound up actually not one more day one more night of filming um so <coughs> we get to try and schedule that after classes start again Ooh. which will be entertaining to try and cram in there i'm thinking i'm gonna try and do it um middle of september if i can but we'll see where are you what's going on with your project uh my term well, that term two still not finished. Mm-hmm. You know, submitted as much as I can. I can show it to you guys afterwards, to, like where it's at. Um, but term three uh, just got a first draft out um, yesterday of like full finished draft, and it's a different. It's still based on the original idea, which is um, uh, there's an old Looney Tunes cartoon called Duck Amuck, where mm-hmm. Daffy Duck gets in a fight with the animator, and the animator starts like drawing his 
body mm. in different <laughs> shapes and draw, painting them into different locations For and all sure. that stuff. Um, so it's it was the original intent was to do like a live action version of that. But oh. then I showed the the script that I had to a few people, and uh, but the difference being, um, instead of the animator, it's the editor. So the person setting it together is actually doing things to the frame that are affecting the the, the characters within the frame. Sure. Um, and the feedback I got was, you know, it's an interesting idea. There's not enough stakes. Like there's no there's no relationship, which makes sense. In the original, in Duck and Muck, it's Bugs Bunny who's painting all this stuff on on Daffy. So there's an animosity that's already built up there through years and years of, of uh, cartoons before that. Um, and so I just came up with an idea uh, this past weekend for adding a lot of stakes. I don't know that I'm going to stick with it yet, so I'm going to kind of keep that part under wraps. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but so far I've sent it out to a couple people, and the feedback's been um, really good. Like they they really liked where it's going. It just I got to figure out how to. It's it's dark right now, so oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's making sure that I can get it funny enough to to be able to earn the darkness. Sure. Um, otherwise, it's just going to be a really heavy thing in the middle of all the, these comedy films that are playing. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, I, I can't imagine like the pre-production in any of the any of the steps, production, post-production of actually accomplishing mm -hmm. that concept. Like, well, and the the original one um, was even more complex because that would have required a grocery store. Like I had in my head shooting in like and like a corporate grocery store, not like you know mom and pop shop around the mm -hmm. corner. Like Definitely. I wanted something with the big long aisles that was super sterile lighting and like you know just uh, pinned down that way. And and uh, you know that was the first thing. And people were like, "That's gonna be pretty hard." So I started trying to get a hold of somebody through like Treasure Island around here or something like that. Could not get a hold of anyone that would give me the time of day. Damn. Um, and looked online, and people that have managed to shoot in grocery stores before, they're like, we had to basically tell them we had like a twenty-five hundred dollar um, cleanup budget to uh, to say, you know, if we screw something up or the floors need waxing after we're done because we or we you know damage a product or anything like that, like here's here's your deposit uh, basically down for the space to be able to use it. Um, and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to come <laughs> up with that for a student production, you know. I feel uh, like there's there's two ways to approach any location, and it's that you guys are just so filthy rich, mm -hmm. or it's that you're just so poor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and those are the only two ways to approach any location. <laughs> Try and talk them into letting you use it just out of pity. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's well, that's been our. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been I've said this multiple times, but it's like a weird thing being out of school and trying to make stuff now, mm -hmm. but with no money because. You want to come across professional, and you don't necessarily always want to be labeled as a student, right? You necessarily, um, but you also want to come across as having no money. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like you want to make it clear to it's people. It's like this weird yeah. thing of like, oh, I'm professional. I'm gonna be very, very, you know, like we're gonna be organized. We'll be on time. We'll be out on time. Like we won't break anything. But also like. I am, for I am broke. <laughs> like I'm so broke. Like, yeah. like there, there's no money to give you. Yeah. So it's like, it's a, it's a weird thing. Um, I mean, like we still c can kind of use the student thing. I think that helps a little bit. Yeah. When you, need, when you need, when to you need it. Um, but it, but it is like a weird balance of like kind of being like, yeah, I'm a recent grad or right. like recently out of film school, but you know, this is kind of our first project, but then you don't want it to be like, they're like, Oh, this is their first project out of film school. Like, yeah. Are they going to like, fuck shit up like I'm there I'm gonna use my swear uh, yeah. now <laughs> there it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then we're like hell time. yeah we're gonna fuck <laughs> shit up yeah um but yeah so it's it's kind of been a learning process but I think that's like it's it's good to kind of figure that out yeah um what are the locations you guys are shooting with whoo 
You said thir- 13 <laughs> that, you, that you've got lined up for the eight-day shoot? Yeah, we got uh, some apartments. We got some offices. We got a pharmacy. Uh, we've got, got a lecture hall. Where, wait, I am actually cu- curious about this because one of my classmates is looking for... Uh, is looking for a pharmacy location. What'd you end up getting? We we'll tell you after. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a mom and pop, I take it. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah an that's, that's what I expected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, we didn't even try to go to like a CVS or Walgreens. It, yeah. That um, but that's that's part of the part of the problem is like those have basically gobbled up any sort of like independent pharmacies yeah. really in the I mean, even the pharmacy we did find up in Andersonville, it's literally across the street from a CVS. Yeah. And it kind of feels like the only way they're surviving is because they have a thriving sandwich shop business in oh, really? the pharmacy. Uh-huh. It's like you walk <laughs> in, it's like sandwiches, like cold cuts, and then medication. <laughs> it's the best. We've been trying to talk to the owner for, for weeks, not weeks, for days, mm-hmm. and we keep going in to talk to him, and they're like, he's only in between 6 and 7 a.m., yeah, so I, we had to. So I had to. <laughs> I woke up this morning at like six thirty a.m. to go meet this guy because yeah, he, he also doesn't, I guess, have any form of communication outside of like calling there if he happens to be there or showing up there if he happens to be there. Like, there's yeah. no, at least no one was get offering up a yeah, cell phone or protecting that information or email or yeah. anything. Um, so it was pretty much like, yeah, come here first thing in the morning. I showed up there this morning. He's just reading the newspaper, having a cup of coffee, and. He agreed to it, um, probably because we had called and you know talked to them so many times. Yeah, like his employees that they like were like, yeah, these people really want this location. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we got it. It was it was a struggle. Um, I really don't know if many other pharmacies would have like. A, I think the fact that it is a, a sort of like a sandwich shop helps because it's like they do other stuff. Like yeah, the kind of like pure like medication pharmacy is a l- I feel like a little more sensitive yeah. maybe about that. Well, and the other thing with those is like especially for a pharmacy they keep longer hours than a lot of the stores otherwise would so you're you end up having to then shoot what like 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. basically that would yeah. would be the only window they would give you. Luckily uh, we it's only a very small scene in that mm-hmm. pharmacy so it, we shouldn't be there till 5 a.m. Yeah. Or else we're going to have a lot of trouble on set the next day. Because <laughs> uh, you're shooting back-to-back days. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whew. Yeah, it's going to be a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, so yeah. Hopefully I'm not just putting this realization in your head. No, right no, now. no. Like, that's something you've considered. It's a realization I have every 45 minutes for the last <laughs> three weeks. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I keep thinking like, why did we decide to do it all at once? <laughs> like, what was the reason again? But um, the the plus side of doing it though is then you get it all done because then otherwise you run into what I've got with my term too, where we've strung out and still haven't finished that. The the pilot that we shot that we still need to do reshoots on mm-hmm. from back in what April, the yeah April May when we shot it. Like, still need to do reshoots on that before we can submit it. Like, we've got the locations willing. It's just a matter of get all the actors available, get the produ- the production staff free, you know, and then go rebuild the set that we had basically in this office uh, right. building. But, um, but yeah, it's it just it's difficult to try and pull all those resources again together again later. So if you've got yeah. it for that week and a half time frame, like, yeah, and it's cheaper. You rent equipment and you can rent it for the week-long period which is cheaper Mm -hmm. um yeah there's definitely momentum that you build too Mm -hmm. in like a a production even if it's just a two-day thing like people get the character down yeah and 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 you kind of get in that mindset like i'm going to be in this for these many days Mm -hmm. like but once it's over 
hopefully it's over. Maybe yeah. you have reshoots, but it uh, might never end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's certainly how it feels right now. What are you? Uh, what are you shooting on? Uh, we are shooting on an A7 III. Okay. And we're using a uh, Ninja uh, Atomos mm. external recorder. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I've got one of those for my C100, and I have yet to use it. Oh, <laughs> man. Because C100's been fine. It works well enough. But yeah. But, uh, but I, I know people that... that like uh, I've done a couple productions in the past with other people that used them, and uh, and the, it makes such a difference when you try and go do color correction and stuff oh, like yeah. that later on. And the color, I mean, like with the with the Shogun, the... Because that's the the downside of the A7 III is that mm -hmm. it doesn't have as good of a color uh, color gamut. Yeah. yeah, color gamut as like a Panasonic. Mm -hmm. But with the Shogun, hopefully we're getting the best of best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, um, so what's next after this? Or have you even put the mm, the thought process into that? You both you both coyly smile <laughs> as, <laughs> as you look at one another. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, I have tentative plans to move to New York. Okay. Um, and lay low for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Be a barista. Because, <laughs> you know, the last scene of the web series is the scene where we have to kill a person. <laughs> so once we do that, we'll have to both lay low a little bit. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we should have put that in the beginning of the pitch. Like yeah. The other like cool thing about this web series is someone gets killed in on camera. Okay. Right. Yeah. We were thinking we should do this as a special effect or with camera cuts, but then we're real filmmakers, so we want to yeah. do it as true to life as possible. The person's okay. a bad person, so. Yeah, good. we've been told um, that he's a bad person. Uh, but no, I, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing after. That is creepy and weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, segwaying back to the original question, um, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of at a crossroads in terms of like whether to stay in Chicago or not. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a great place, I think, like, you know, when you first leave the school, you have a community and network of people um, readily available. It's a good place to kind of, like, make stuff at that level. Mm -hmm. um, but then you're kind of like, oh, well, maybe, like, I should go somewhere else and kind of, I think just, like, even changing location, like, changes your mindset on a lot right. of things. Like, when you're at the place you went to school, like, you kind of just have that mindset mm -hmm. like i have friends that still live in the town in santa barbara that i went to in college and they they still are in the, like there's just like a they're few townies they're, 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 yeah, they're, they, they, yeah they they like they're still kind of like in that bubble in a mm -hmm. in a way i hope he's not listening right now i'm sure he's not <laughs> <laughs> um but uh but yeah like it's just a kind of a like a way of kind of changing your your perspective on yeah on things so so yeah i mean I'm going to see kind of after this. I am working for a production company in Chicago. Mm. It's a really sp small one, Showpup. Um, so I'm doing work there. Was it was it Showpup? Showpup. P-U-P? Yeah. It's not related what to dogs, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought for a second it was, too. Um, I mean, the, it is a dog logo, but it's not content <laughs> for dogs. They do make content for... I feel like you have a theme in your, your yeah. profession. I might just try to go work for Animal Planet. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm, one day I'm going to see Puppy Bowl directed by yeah, that, Hey, I, I, feel, I feel like the Puppy Bowl people probably make decent decent money. Oh, they do. <laughs> that That does gangbusters. I mean, they are the... They're I think the only thing that legitimately competes with the Super Bowl on any level for for viewership during that block of time. Whoa! Because I th I want to say that that's the number one 
feud thing be after the Super Bowl during that during that time block, which is not to say it's like stealing Super Bowl time other than maybe during the halftime show that i think that's the only time that they that they're actually like competitive competitive you'd hate people to switch be, over but you'd hate to be that one guy who loves dogs and loves football uh, <laughs> i mean what are the chances for that one dude <laughs> that's that they're they both DVRs. The <laughs> <laughs> so you can watch both it's not the same <laughs> remember picture in a picture when that was a thing so you yeah. could be watching oh, yeah. both things at once yeah. and then that just kind of went away i don't know that tvs even still have that anymore. yeah well uh, yeah yeah because i guess dvr like yeah. you can now not have to watch you don't have to divide your once. focus and block out a quarter of the screen with uh, with some crap going on in the <laughs> corner yeah yeah i uh it's weird to think i don't know if i never if i ever fully understood picture in picture you don't have both audios at the same time, do you? No, it's whichever one's the is filling the screen you have audio for. But you could my my dad had this on a big screen that we had when I was a kid. Um, but you could hit a button and it would flip the two, like the the one in the corner would go to full screen. Uh, the one and uh. so so you could you could go back and forth. So if he was watching, like he had the whole sports package for like all the NFL games. So we would have the one on when that went to commercial, switch down to the other one when that one came back, switch back to it. Right. Um, so. It was nice, and then I think some of the networks figured out that that's what was happening, and so to make sure that people couldn't do that, they started like I think time aligning their commercial breaks on certain things, really? so you like everything went to commercial at the same time, as or as close oh, to, as possible. So genius. you, so yeah, so it kind of took away that that uh, that ability to kind of flip flip away and flip back. Mm, now um, they just have NFL Red Zone, which is for people with no fanhood who just need to see more scores. <sighs> That, that I, I never understood that channel. Just <laughs> like, watch all the touchdowns. Cool. I don't really like. That's like that. So I think of football in a certain degree, like chess. Mm. Like it's it is a little bit of a chess match with people beating the crap out of one another. But there is some chess match of thought process behind it of kind of let me show them this thing six times and then you know do something completely different the seventh time sure. once once mm-hmm. we've lulled them into a false sense of security that we're always going to run the ball or whatever it is, um, and. Uh, and that would be like just watching checkmates. It's true. Yeah. Like that would just bug the crap out of me. It's <laughs> like I don't need to see them. Like I want to see how did they get to that point? Like what? What's the strategy mm-hmm. of moving down the? F- like that's, yeah. That's what I want to see as much as the touchdowns. The touchdowns are great. Yeah. But uh, that's to capitulate on this effort get being given for ninety, you know, ninety plays or whatever before that. Definitely. Yeah. So. I do think it's wildly popular though. The Red Zone channel. Oh, yeah. Like, because people are idiots. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, most people do want to just see the checkmates. Yeah. yeah. Show me a fucking checkmate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's All what right, I do. Sit down now. I said there's some swearing on this. <laughs> 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 Let's yeah. go back to stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I get oh. people to film all the chess tournaments, and then I just put together the mix of pure checkmates, <laughs> and that's how I track my I fantasy guarantee, team. I guarantee you, if you Google YouTube like checkmate montage, there's like, somebody that has there, a, a prob- checkmate that super probably cut. exists out there. Yeah, supercut <laughs> of of oh. really great checkmates. It's the uh, and chess players are just their their own thing. Oh. <laughs> 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 I know some people that are like super competitive with it, and I'm like, I don't understand it, but. I get it on some level. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, cool. Well, uh, kind of wrapping up, Who if people want to try and track you all down and see um, either the web series itself or even just kind of keep up with what you two are working on moving forward, where can they find you? Find us on Facebook. Is that a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, we have a Facebook page for the web series, Diagnosis Boring. 
I think you can even just Google diagnosis boring, mm-hmm. um, and it our Indiegogo page will come up mm-hmm. um, near the top. And what does uh, Indiegogo run through? What the do you know when it ends? Uh, I think we have about three weeks left of it. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe two weeks left. Uh, Twenty days, I so think. It'll be yeah, it'll be about two weeks when this goes up because this will go up on Monday. Okay, so. great. So <laughs> please, for the love of God. Donate. <laughs> <laughs> Search Indiegogo. Diagnosis boring. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, how about you guys individually? Where can they find you? Nineteen fifty three West Winnemag <laughs> Avenue, apartment one. <laughs> you just give out your street. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no social media or anything like that. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, I guess I do have social media. <laughs> Uh-huh. You're kind of getting into the uh, Instagram recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Check out my Instagram. It's uh, French underscore Sparrow. <laughs> so it's like ranch with an F in front of it? Yep. And, and then Sparrow like the bird. Like the bird, yeah. yeah. Okay. And the famous pirate. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Jack Sparrow. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, and you can find me at at MW Schiff at on Instagram. <laughs> I have one picture up. <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I recently deleted all my photos. Um, Why? Because I'm going to... Try to start a. He's got an album drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how when artists like rappers or whoever just completely erase their Instagram. Yeah. If they have an album dropping soon, that's kind of what I did. Um, it's a title exclusive. Yeah. So you'll so you'll see a whole concept going up <laughs> in the next uh, month. So yeah, <laughs> at MW Shift. Changing S- your format. C H I F F. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. Well, you know, inst- Instagram's hot, I guess, right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try to really dive in there. <laughs> well, fair enough. Well, thank you guys for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for Tony. having us. Thank you. That was Frank Spiro and Mike Schiff. If you want to learn more about Diagnosis Boring and where you can contribute to the project, check out the link in the notes for this episode. Thank you to Frank and Mike, and additional thanks, as always, to the Harold Ramis Film School and the Second City staff for their help. The song on this week's episode was Communications Out by Derek Ivory off his album Pop Perspective. Check out more of his awesome music at DerekEvery.com. That's D-E-R-E-K-E-V-R-Y. This show is recorded and edited by me, Tony Lazzaroni. If you want to hear more from me and my classmates, teachers, and a few special guests, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions or comments, send us an email at filmstudentpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at filmstudentpod. And be sure to check out some of my and my classmates' work at filmstudentpod.com. See you all next week. Class dismissed. <laughs>